0: This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global. Produce online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip.
2: I thought
0: in that moment, oh my
2: God, we've summoned something from this board. This is
0: Oh, uh, I
2: drive a hybrid, which is a combination of old and terrible.
4: Anian. If you feel that the vehicle manufacturer following their guideline of changing the oil when the light comes on or the engine falls out, whichever comes first, that that's okay, then you should at least be checking oil on a semi regular level every two to three months. <laughs> The Car Doctor. Perfect. Let's go back to the first code you talked. You talked about a 113E, correct? Correct. A 113E is bank 2 upstream oxygen sensor having a slow response rate.
0: Welcome to the Radio Home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls
4: at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. You know, every week when I get to this point, I say, where do I start? And, and, And some weeks, you know, truthfully, I'm standing here scratching my head saying, gee, I don't know which story stands out the most. Because it's usually something from the shop or a commentary about about some event during the week, and I'm sitting here today, and boy, I could I could probably talk for four hours because I don't know I don't know where to begin, and I've really just got to do a short intro. The phones are already lit up, and I, I don't know which story do I want to tell you? Do I want to tell you about the guy with the rusty brake lines that wanted me to just change one until the next one breaks, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one? And he didn't want to understand about liability because he doesn't travel very far. He doesn't drive much. He doesn't put a lot of miles on it. He didn't understand the concept about, well, you know, when I explained to him, listen, you can buy a new car and get a flat two blocks from the dealership because you drive over a nail. He didn't understand that concept. I could talk to you about, you know, some of the other cars in the shop this week that were just stubborn and obstinate and didn't want to be repaired. And I could talk to you about the 07 07 or 08 Mustang with the Roush supercharger on it that sat for eight years that was towed in with eight-year-old fuel, and we got it running, and it all seemed well until yesterday at five o'clock when I told Danny, bring it in, and let's put it to sleep for the weekend, and we'll, we'll get back on it on Monday. We hadn't worked on it in two days since we last started to run it, and um, all we're doing is running it, trying to burn the old fuel out of the tank, and we started it in the cold weather or tried to start it in the cold weather. It didn't like it, or something happened. I'm not quite sure yet, so... I could be speaking out of turn. It it just doesn't sound right. So we'll see what Monday morning brings. Maybe warm, it'll be a different flavor and does something different. Or I could talk to you about breakfast this morning. And I maybe this is where I'll start because it's a short story and I know Tom wants a quickie. Um, in that I was having I was having breakfast at the diner. We, we we stopped at the diner for, you know, breakfast this morning and and I, I got a text from the, the head of network um, Josh Lang, my, my guy over at Talk Media. And Josh and I have a great relationship, and he's funny. He sends me, by mistake, he sends me his Christmas list, I guess, of presents he wants. And I said, oh, is this mine? We started chatting back and forth. and um, He said to me, he said, by the way, he said, he said I have to tell you that his, his wife just bought a Tesla 3. I believe it's a 3, um, but he, she just bought a Tesla. And his exact note, and I'm reading from my cell phone, he, he texted me and he said, my wife forgot to charge her car overnight, meaning she didn't plug it in. So I just plugged it in at 48%. It needs three hours and 15 minutes to fully charge. We won't be able to use it for all our driving today as planned. Of course, my comment was, can I interview you today? And he said, no, I don't have time, so I'm going to get him on the air one of these days because there's a there's a candid, honest response from an from a electric vehicle owner. And I thought about that. And I said, you know, human error has to come into the fact here, right? I I guess they're going to have to make it so electric cars charge automatically. Can they? Will they? Will they be able to do that? But right now, you know, the the amount of nonsense that they become, and that's what they are, and I'm going to call them like I see them because I think that's ridiculous. You have to disrupt your day. All of a sudden, you can't, in a sense, in essence, you can't buy gasoline for the day. It would take three hours and fifteen minutes to charge that vehicle instead of being able to pull in somewhere, five minutes, put in twenty dollars worth of fuel, and at these prices, probably be forty dollars worth of fuel, um, and go somewhere. And yet, we're accepting of this. I just, I just don't understand. You know, I'm not anti-electric car. Again, I keep saying this. Nobody hears me. I'm just anti-stupidity. I, I just, I just don't see where this is going. But. Um, You know that was my intro for today. Just you know, thinking about the uh, the obstinence of what's out there, and uh, that just kind of got me. Because I said, this is what's going to happen: people are not going to charge the car, and then they're going to be stuck, and then it's going to create drama and issues. And here it is, right from somebody I work with on a weekly basis. So, um, anyway, that's the story. That's my open, like it or not. You know, um, like my mother said, you know, if I put Brussels sprouts on your plate, you're going to eat it. So there it is. Anyway, uh, let me go say hello to Mister Ray real quick. I know he's busy up there. He's uh, he's thinking up there in, in, in the think hello. tank. Hello, how was your week? Busy. Yeah. Um, Very busy. Yeah. Anything good?
2: Well, let's see. I had a power supply explode in the new transmitter. I uh, got a tube for another transmitter that's supposed to be nice and shiny. That looked like it had been run through a, a well a car wash and not dried. Mm. Um, Is that important? Tells me it's been a great week, but on the end of the week here. Santa came by this morning. The fire department always brings Santa by this time of year, and I took Ted, my dog, out, and he got a nice dog cookie from Santa.
4: Wow. What would you get for yourself? Anything? No.
2: No, I didn't get anything from him, but Ted did tell him he wants a brand-new uh, quacking duck and a brand-new barking dog for Christmas. So mm,
4: You never know what he might get. So, That's right. Um, I see we have um, we sort of have a long-distance phone call today. Yes. Uh, where, where are we going? Let's go over to uh, Danny in Mexico City. Is this Is this real? Danny, Mexico City? Uh, yes. Hello. Hey, Danny. How are you?
3: Uh, hey, Ron. Uh, thank you for taking my call.
4: You're very welcome, sir. Uh, I mean? uh,
3: yeah, I'm the same guy who called about like four months ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with a comment about uh, i electric
4: cars. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you called back. My wife doesn't believe I have a. Call, I have. Call, I have listeners in Mexico City, so uh, I'm going to play her this segment. Oh. <laughs> so, um, you know, my family well, thinks here's, I'm kidding. Uh, the real
3: proof about it. So. so.
4: <laughs> yes, sir. Well, we'll t- we can talk about that in a minute, but let's talk about your car problem first. What's uh, what's going on today? What do you got?
3: Sure, thanks. Uh, I have a 1994 Mercury Grand Marquis, and it's doing a funny little glitch uh, where, if I'm, you know, driving down uh, the, the highway doing highway speeds, you know, say around sixty to sixty-five, seventy miles an hour, and you know, I go towards a downhill grade that makes me, you know, let my foot off the gas. And then I start uh, coasting down the hill, and all all of a sudden the check engine light will come on after about, like, 10 to 15 seconds of coasting. Um, It'll stay on for as long as I uh, keep my foot off the gas, but as soon as I uh, step back on it, um, it'll take about, like, five to six seconds for it to go back out, you know, for the check engine light to go out, so long as I keep my, my foot on the gas pedal. And when it does that, um, it's like the uh, the RPM, the vehicle ratio, uh, will get out a little uh, will get a little out of whack. Uh, it's like the RPMs will go down instead of the way they're supposed to be. Uh, it's like uh, quite the opposite of when a transmission slips. Uh, you feel as though when you when you um, accelerate, the RPMs. Uh, actually, go down instead of up. Does it? Does it?
4: Does it kind of lug, Danny? You know what I mean by lug? Does it feel like you're driving a manual transmission vehicle and you're in the wrong gear when you go to accelerate?
3: Exactly. Exactly. It's like you uh, you feel as though the uh, the car is losing power, but it's not the engine that's stalling or anything like that. Uh, it's not like the engine's losing power uh, per se, but it's like the RPM. Uh, range just doesn't hold up right there, uh, along with the vehicle speed. So you right. kind of like have to feather the gas pedal in order for you to pick the RPMs back up. Um, and uh, I, I actually took it to a mechanic shop, uh, you know, to try to pull out the coats. Um, and well, I haven't had any luck doing that because well, it doesn't seem to have stored any coats on the on the computer, you know. And uh, uh, right now the car is working fine. Um, and it's it feels as though, uh, you know, when it does that, that it kind of like hesitates between the time that I am posting down when I, when I uh, hit the pedal again, when I hit the accelerator again. Uh, it, it feels as though the car hesitates to actually accelerate again. It's like it takes about a second or two just to make up its mind that I wanted to accelerate back up again.
4: What 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 sort of trans When you look at the dashboard, Danny, do you have D with a circle, D, and then two for the shift indicator?
3: Yeah, it's got the regular PRND, and then two and one. It doesn't have a circle on on the D, or a D with a circle on it. Uh, but I do have overdrive uh, because well, there's the OD the OD button right um, on the tip of the. Uh, uh, transmission uh, lever. Okay. The you know the, the right. shift indicator.
4: If if you keep if you yeah. keep the overdrive yeah, off, uh, does the problem not happen? No it
3: still happens. It still happens. Yeah as a matter of fact uh you know when I uh go to certain places uh in which well I have to go through different mountain uh great and whatnot I actually used uh, that button a lot uh, because, well, it makes it downshift from overdrive, which would be like fourth gear down into third. You know, and, and that lets me, uh, you know, go down a hill uh, using like engine brakes um, by way of downshifting into third. And as a matter of fact, this last time um, when I did that, well, uh, you know, the same thing happened. It took about like 10 seconds when I was coasting down the hill for the, uh, the check engine light to come on. But not only that. Um, when I wanted to press the accelerator pedal back again, um, it, it's like the car died, you know, the engine died. So I actually needed to pull to the side of the road and uh, uh, just come to a complete stop, um, uh, put the transmission back in parking, and then just start the engine back up again, and and I just went back up on my way. Okay. Uh, so it, the, you know, the, That's what made me a little concerned.
4: The, the catch here is going to be to... The- to be able to get some information out of the PCM, which it sounds like it's difficult, like it's not cooperating. One of the things I'd like to exactly. one, of, one of the things I'd like them to try is let's disconnect something. Mm-hmm. Let's disconnect. Oh, how about we unplug an oxygen mm-hmm. sensor? Something mm-hmm. easy enough to get to, but something that won't be crippling to engine operation. That it'll just become real easy and obvious. And let's drive it and scan it. Does it pull out a fault code for that oxygen sensor? In other words, we're going to test the PCM to see if it's capable of diagnosing itself. Right? Oh, so
3: it, there's a possibility that it might be the PCM. Well, sure.
4: If, if the, you know, let's, 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 and I'm not saying change the PCM by any stretch of the imagination. But a simple test would be, let's self-test it. You know, we're counting on the thing that's broken to tell us what's broken. So let's prove that it's really worth listening to. Let's let's create a fault. Right. Unplug something, and now you know. You disconnect an O2. You disconnect. This should be a mass airflow uh, sensor car. You disconnect mass airflow. You're likely going to get a a no start, a crank no start condition. So I don't want to do that. I want to make the PCM work for work for its lunch today. Um, Let's disconnect an O2 is a good one. Uh, Let's disconnect a coolant sensor, although that might put it into a clear flood or a a total minus 40 degree start condition. But let's disconnect what fault code do we get. Do we get a fault code at all? Do we get a fault code that matches what we disabled? That's step one. All right. Step two. Right. Step two in my mind is, uh, you know, I want to know when the check engine light comes on. And whether it's an overdrive or not, you're saying it doesn't matter. I wonder what would happen if you pulled over to the side of the road, put it in park, shut it off, and and just sat there for two minutes and started it up. Does it get to be normal? What I'm what I'm thinking about in the back of my head, do I have a problem in the torque converter not releasing? You know, converters can fail two ways. They can slip when they apply. A trans can slip, obviously, but a torque converter can slip when it applies when it's when it's being put on, and then it could not release, meaning that it's oh, gonna, it's it's yeah. gonna it's gonna stay locked up. Think of a manual transmission vehicle, okay? As you you know sure. you cruise along and you get it into fourth gear, let's say, in a thirty-five mile an hour zone, and you hit a slight hill, and now you step on the gas to accelerate. It's lugging. It's 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 like being on a ten speed bicycle in the wrong gear, and now you have to work harder to get up that hill. So is the car, if that torque converter is locked on and it doesn't release, it's it's not. It's going to do just what you're describing to me. So I'll tell you what, Danny, sit tight on the phone. Let me pull over and take a pause. We'll continue where I left off. I'm Ron Anady and the car doctor. We'll be back right after this.
0: it's
4: the little from Pasadena.
2: He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice
4: done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's get back to Danny in Mexico City. Danny, you're still there. Yes,
3: I'm here.
4: So, I'm here, Ron. So, you're welcome, sir. So, what I was thinking was, what I'm thinking about with your, with your 94 Grand Marquis with this what we're thinking is a shutter or a um, a lugging issue, is the trans isn't letting, you, letting it come out of lockup. Now, if we wanted to get fancy, there is, although by doing it by the switch should make the difference uh, from the side, but there is, if we looked at the wiring on the side of the trans, there's going to be one wire that's going to feed that uh, torque converter clutch solenoid. Um, We could disable that, but I think before we go that route, let's prove to ourselves that it is transmission-related. First of all, first thing I want you to do is I want you to drive the car, and, you know, it'd be nice if we had a scan tool hooked up so we could look at RPMs. Let the trans go through all its gears, all right? Do we have the right number of gears and then lock up to match the vehicle? And we'll, we'll be able to tell that by looking at an RPM indicator, all right? Yeah, that's actually
3: what I wanted to ask you, if uh, if, you've, if you probably had something to do with the lockup that, you know, um, might have been like getting stuck in a certain position. And uh, I don't know if uh, that probably had to do with the fact that I uh, changed the, uh, the transmission fluid. Like, I mean, I've had the car for 11 years so far. Right. And one of the first things I did was to change the transmission fluid. Uh, and it had like the original stock fluid, which was and regular and I, uh, I upgraded it to American 5, which is fully synthetic, and I've actually made the, you know, the transmission fluid changes every around 20, 25 to 30,000 miles. Um, so I don't know if that had anything to do with that, you know, uh, change, you know upgrading from regular uh, mineral uh, transmission fluid to a synthetic.
4: It shouldn't, but I will tell you this. Oh. I, don't, I don't recall seeing anywhere where Ford has said Mercon and Mercon 5 can be interchanged. All right? Usually usually the manufacturers will tell us that. For example, Chrysler Trans Fluid. Chrysler Trans Fluid, the difference between my understanding from what I've read and been told repeatedly, the difference between Mercon and Dexron and Chrysler Trans Fluid is Dex and Merck are the same. Uh, Chrysler Trans is has a anti-foaming agent put into it. And going back to older vehicles now, we're talking about cars from the 94 generation, and that's what makes it different. Chrysler puts a slightly um, anti-foaming agent into it. Uh, We have had experience, for example, on Chrysler products. If we don't use the right, if the customer doesn't use the right trans fluid, it'll come in and it'll do just what you're describing. Or worse, it'll slip or have an inaccurate or poor quality shift point it will be so erratic in its operation that you have to drain the fluid out and start all over again. But
3: you're your Oh, chi- no, as far as, like, shifting quality, it's fine.
4: Right. But your your problem just started now, and the fluid's been in there for a long time.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, I'll tell you yeah, what, Dan, I'm going to hold you one more segment.
4: Lot. I'm going to hold you one more segment, kiddo, and then I'm only going to keep you a couple of minutes, and then we'll go. Stay put right where you are. I'm Ron eating the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Danny, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Danny, our last get-together, brother, and I always appreciate your calls. So let's leave it here. Let's let's leave it here. How about does the, you know, depending upon what sort of scan tool the repair shop has, can they, you know, do some of the things we've tested? And then my last thought is, do they have the ability, do they have the ability to bi-directionally control the converter apply? So if, if they can duplicate the problem, if they can create the condition and command the converter to release, and it doesn't, that would prove we have some, I'm not saying it's a bad trans or a bad converter, but that proves at least we're on the right track.
3: Right, and I was thinking along the lines of the lockup uh, converter or getting stuck. Um, I was wondering if uh, by disconnecting it, um, I was still going to be able to, you know, shift into uh, uh, overdrive. I mean, will the transmission operate just as,
4: as No, because now? I, I, will
3: I still be able to downshift? I
4: believe this is a... Well, I was thinking about that, too, and I'd have to see which trans this is. I think this is an AODE, and I believe overdrive and lockup are both in the converter on that generation vehicle. So I don't want to say for sure until I, you know, unless I physically saw it but that is let's leave that oh. as a possibility i'd rather do my controls of the lock up through the scantle that's what made me think of it as i sat here mm-hmm. going over it in my head so let's let's leave it there let's see what that does and if none of this helps you then you call me back cuz you know where to find me i'm always here every, every weekend it's, it's not hard to track me down all right yeah
3: yeah thank you uh i'll certainly do that i'll uh reach back out to you if uh If I struggle along
4: the way. But I I think that's where you're going. It may have something to do with fluid, and obviously fluid quality, you know, what color is the fluid now, and, and, and all fluid characteristics need to be considered as well. So, you know, think about that, too. You're thinking along the right lines. I believe it's in the trans, and now we've just got to prove it. That's step one. Then we'll figure out what's broken. Let me ask you a question. In the four months since we talked regarding electric vehicles, any, any changes yeah. in Mexico city? Do they, are they putting in charging stations? Are they getting ready for this? Do they talk about it at all?
3: Well, not that I can see, you know, um, I've actually spotted the same number of, uh electric car charging stations around, um, as far as like electric vehicles. Well, I, I, you know, pretty much encountered the same number of Tesla's, um, um around town, um, but no i haven't seen any uh increase any real increase any sensible uh increase in the number of electric vehicles uh on the roads out here
4: do you, do you, does mexico have do you know does mexico have the same intentions as the us as far as um, as far as an electric vehicle program
3: well not as much as in the us uh i mean it's in the works but um it doesn't Feel as though the government has a a certain, uh, like, hard agenda on, you know, cracking down on um, uh, internal combustion vehicles just yet. Um, Like, the, you know, the fuel powered cars are king still. You know, they're still king here in Mexico.
4: Right. Right,
3: and I hope it stays that way. You know, I hope it stays that way for a long time. <laughs> you
4: know, well, and do you, I mean, do you think Mexico has the? You know, Mexico as a country, do you think they have the the economic means? Could you electrify all of Mexico in in that sense?
3: Um, well, I wouldn't be so sure to say that. Uh, I wouldn't. Um. I wouldn't bet on 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 Mexico's capacity to you know just electrify the whole country. Uh, and, you know, get it ready for uh, uh, charging off electric cars. Um, I, I'm not sure if, you know, there's the infrastructure necessary to do that. Um, in some parts of the country, they're still struggling to, you know, to keep small rural towns electrified, you know, let alone uh, provide all the extra electri- uh, electricity for uh, for cars.
4: Sounds like a, sounds like a major undertaking. So, uh, yeah. Suffi- suffice it to yeah, say, they, the outline...
3: might have the capacity, but I'm not so sure just yet.
4: Suffice it to say, the outlighting areas we're trying to we're trying to keep them in just everyday electricity. Never mind the electricity for a for an electric vehicle. Sort of like certain parts of America. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like certain yeah. parts of America. Um, I remember our last conversation, and you said to me, Ron, in Mexico, is, compared to the U.S., Mexico is a poor country. We 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 struggle some days with the basics, and and I never forgot that statement. And that's you know that just makes me think that. Um, the whole thing is kind of out of out of calibration so to speak that the next door neighbor is gonna do all this and the other neighbor can't do it so where does it all come from and how does it begin um uh interesting stuff danny i appreciate the call and i uh i'm amazed by the fact that you tune in all the way from mexico city uh you may be a fan of mine but i'm a fan of yours brother so you call me if you need something all right no
3: thanks for taking my call and it's always uh uh, and I me mean, to talk to you, and uh, it's good to hear your show every time.
4: Oh, thank you, Danny. You be well. Be safe. Merry Christmas.
3: Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too.
4: Thanks. Bye. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Um, I wonder where else we have calls. So look at that, Tom. I'm international now. Well, I've been international for a while. So I know Tom's got a comment here. I know. Yes,
2: great. That means I'm going to have to make the... Uh... I'm gonna to have to call Carpenter Bob. We've gotta make the top of the door to the studio bigger for your head. I don't think
4: you could possibly make it any bigger. It's still pretty <laughs> <laughs> See, I had a I had a good comment there.
2: And and, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna
4: come for go from Mexico back to nineteen sixty five. Yeah, let's go to uh, Don in Michigan. Okay, I'll bite. A nineteen sixty five pickup truck. Oh boy, look at the variety here. Don, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Well, I I it it's been all redone. And they had an extra spot for a gauge, so I put an amp gauge in it. Right. I don't know where to hook the wires.
4: Okay. Whose brand amp gauge is it?
3: Oh, geez. I can't tell you that.
4: Well, because here's the catch. All right. The most important thing about an amp meter Mm -hmm. is that it has to have the capacity equal to that of the alternator. What's the range of the gauge? Where does it go to from what to what?
3: 60, I think.
4: All right. Do you know what the out, alternator out, charging output of uh, your alternator is? I don't, I
3: don't is. think it's any more than that.
4: All right. Well, you have to know for sure. Yeah. Because if you have an eighty amp, if you have an eighty amp alternator, and you put in a sixty amp ammeter, the next the next thing you're going to hear me say is what color? Uh huh. Uh
2: huh. Yeah. You know? Cause,
4: yeah. Because it's you're, you'll be picking out a new truck when you turn on all the electrical accessories when this one burns up because the ammeter was underrated. So uh-huh. so you know an ammeter to me is a critical gauge in terms of selection and how it's wired. Basically it has to be lined up in series with the charging system. So it's not like a voltmeter where you would go to the negative and positive posts of the battery or positive yeah. and ground. You want to yeah. be you want to be tied to the alternator output harness of the of, of the alternator, you know the heavy the heavy red wire. And they uh-huh. usually they usually do it with a charging shunt. So it, it allows proper integration. But the most important thing is whose who's or what brand gauge is it? Will it handle the load? And is it a good quality gauge? Because the vehicle's electrical charging output is now going to go through and be part of that gauge as well. If that gauge uh-huh. is faulty, it will create other electrical issues in the vehicle. So, you know, whether you got it for free or it just happens to fit the hull... That doesn't matter to me. This uh-huh. is. Um, are you fussy about the way you maintain the truck? What parts you put in it? What oil filter you pick on it? Put on oh, it and yeah. so forth. Oh yeah. This is the same thing. This is even more critical. All right. You know, it's it's for one of a kingdom the horse is lost. For one of uh-huh. the horse the shoe is lost, etc. The shoe and the horse, and you get my point. So uh-huh. um, I would find out what brand gauge that is and is it rated for the vehicle system and what that system's output should be, and then we can talk about how to wire it up. And usually you will find most ammeter manufacturers will have their own install kits. Well, for okay. some,
3: I don't know. For some reason, this didn't have anything on it.
4: Well, that's, Did you get it brand new out of a box?
3: Uh-huh.
4: What brand was it?
3: <laughs> That's right. that. I can't tell you
4: because you threw the box out, right?
3: I'll have to. i have to get all that, I guess, and call
4: you back. Okay, or or go look up the or go look up the gauge manufacturer and talk to them and say, is there an install kit? Is there instructions? Uh, okay. See see what they say. Why not? Uh huh. All right. But just be All careful right. how you install that. All right, sir. Enjoy the truck. All
3: right, thank you much.
4: You're very welcome. Enjoy the enjoy the truck, Don. 855-560-9900 running any the car doctor we're coming back right after this. Don't go away.
0: C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
4: Welcome back. We're on the name of the Car Doctor here at 855 I should point out that phone number is 24-7. I'll give it again, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Yes, we do answer the phone. Yes, we do take messages. You can leave a message at that eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero phone number. And Tom Ray, executive producer here, will call you back and get you in the queue for the next live broadcast.
2: And yes, we do call people back. I, I can't tell you how many people I call and they go, you're actually calling me?
4: Yes, we do. <laughs> oh, it's, listen, I don't say I do it often, and I haven't done it in a while because I haven't seen the need. But uh, you know, more than a few people have been greeted. They've gone to lunch, and they come back to work, and they'll check their messages, and they've heard, "Hi, this is Ron and Inian from the Car Doctor Radio Show. Your, you know, your eighty-one Ford does this, this, and this. Here's something you can go look at." And I, you know, some of them have called me back because they're floored. Hey, listen, we're just a couple of guys trying to fix cars. That's all this is about. And, and perhaps that's a good segue into these comments this this portion of the show I was thinking about the societal impact of auto repair the other day I stopped over at the shop across the tracks and I was talking to Mike one of the mechanics there we we were having a conversation about something I had to stop over and borrow a tool and or pick up a tool they had borrowed I don't remember which it was and Mike and I were talking regarding he said to me he said how's things going I said well we're busy and they're busy and you know, and I, they were short of mechanic. Their mechanic hadn't shown up that day. And he Mike looked at me and he said, yeah, the guy's new. He's, he's an older fellow, but he's new. He said, but the problem is, he goes, we can't replace him. We can't find anybody to, you know, fill the seat. And I said, yeah, isn't that the case? There's just, you know, there are no more mechanics out there. It seems like there's a finite limit. And, you know, you're struggling to gather people, as it were. And Mike said, yeah, he says, I remember the day when, you know, there would be people lined up trying to get into this field. And I said, yeah, listen, I remember the day and, you know, where I'd be working in the shop and the neighborhood kid would show up on his bike and it would start with, you know, they had a flat or we'd have to put the chain back on or the the chain was so rusty it clunked when it turned and he knew something was broken and we'd lube it up for him. And he did alter relationship with that kid. And I can honestly say more than a few kids... Probably became mechanics. Of course, I'm doing this a long time. I think dirt had been invented when I first started. And I started thinking about, I started recounting in my mind, driving away from their shop back to mine that day. I started thinking about how I started and where it started. And, and I started thinking about my, my buddy, Russell. Now, Russell and I went to high schools in the opposite opposite towns. We I, He went to Ramsey, I went to Mawa. And, you know... Cars brought us together. They were the focal point. We somehow connected over cars. And it was always that camaraderie. And our idea of hanging out most of the time, when we weren't out getting into trouble, and it was always Russell's fault. Mom, it was Russell's fault. It wasn't mine. Um, that's what I told her. And it was, it was always cars. We would hang out in his mom's garage or my mom's garage, and we were working on cars, trying to better our cars, trying to fix somebody's car, trying to mechanically do something. And it involved into two careers he became a mechanic i became a mechanic and nothing wrong with that it was just the natural natural selection right i don't see young people doing that today number one things were very mechanical back then we could fix 90 percent of the vehicle in your in mom's garage you know we had to go buy tools but we could do it there the electronics weren't there and you know now today It's just such a different thing. And does the vehicle, by definition of its complexity, prevent kids from getting involved? Is it so overwhelming to them? Which kind of blows my mind because they're all hung up on their cell phones and the electronics and everything else they do. But, you know, that's where it went. Uh, You know, Russell became a mechanic. I became a mechanic. And I got to tell you, it created a relationship. I consider him my brother. And we still talk to each other 45 years later. It's just been a long-term thing going. Um, but yeah, the societal impact of auto repair, where will it lead and where has it taken us? And what's the next step in the evolution yet to be seen? 855 The car doctor's cruising back right after this. Don't go away.
0: C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com.
4: Welcome back. Ron named the car doctor. (laughs) And then I started thinking about him. Kind of segueing from the last segment. What cars have evolved into Monday night, Monday and Tuesday night. I took a virtual class online with the folks over at the automotive training group, ATG, uh, you know, as 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 we know them, uh, more information. I believe it's atg.com. I'll get you that in a second. Let me let me flip over the back of the book. They get, they were they were handing out atg training. I'm sorry, atgtraining.com. And Chris Lewis was instructing, and Chris and I used to well we still consider us working together, but um, you know we worked together for many many years, and he's he's now over there. And um, the book was about ADOS, okay, about advanced driver assist systems, and I started reading the first couple of pages, and it's it's astounding when you sit and you read the technology. You know, it's, it's one thing to go, oh, yeah, it's a computer car. It does all these wonderful things. But you start reading the descriptions. So, you know, in the early to mid-2000s, uh, the ATG training manual talks about some of the things that were added to vehicles. Night vision. Night vision uses infrared sensors for a heads-up or infotainment display of objects that might not be well illuminated by the headlights. Adaptive cruise control. This system uses long-range radar and may have steering angle sensor-based targeting, but not lane detection. Forward collision alert. This system is only a warning and typically uses the adaptive cruise control radar. Backup systems. This park assist technology you may use cameras, ultrasonic sensors, or surround view through cameras. Lane departure warning. This system uses a forward-facing camera to detect lane markings. Icons show whether or not valid lanes are detected and whether or not the vehicle is near or crossing them. Integration prevents false alerts for lane changes with signals. We really have made it a giant computer. I've been saying it for years, and it just continues to evolve. And I keep asking myself, why aren't younger people involved in, in learning how to fix these things? Because they're what they're holding in their hand. It's a giant computer. I don't know. Maybe next time I'll think more about it. Till then, I'm Ron Anini, the Car Doctor, reminding you: good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.